But today, we have special guests all the way from down in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Dave and Megan, you come on up. Dave and Megan were our youth pastors leaders. And, and, and they are related to Brad and Diane Adams, all right? And Stephen's back there also. Uh, so it's great, to, it's great to have these guys back. And then they took the youth group on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and never came back. You know, they stayed down there. Though. They came back for a short time, then they left. But, but it's great to have these guys here and sharing about the ministry. And also, Dave's going to share from the Word. So uh, we're excited to have you guys. So great to have you. All right, Sarah, can you put up the slides? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, I'm the school director at a Christian school called Dulos Discovery School. And this past spring, the school asked me if I would step into the role as a school director. And I said, yes, with stipulations. I feel like the Lord has said it is time for us to start our special ed department. The Lord had this pullback harness for years. And I felt it, and I wanted to go, 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 and the Lord said, not yet, not yet. But he was baby-stepping us to be ready to launch our full-blown intervention team. So those of you that don't know, special education is highly lacking in Christian schools worldwide. In the U.S., only 2.5% of kids in U.S. Christian schools have special ed plans. At Dulos, 20% of our population has formal diagnosis and plans. So that is a huge, that's like five kids per classroom, right? There's a huge amount of kids. And so it was time for us to say, okay, Dulos wants to lead in the Dominican Republic because this is what the Lord has called us to do. So now what? And so, because Dulos is, Sarah, you can go to the next one. Because Dulos is revolutionary, and this is what we want to develop. Can you, is there sound there? Okay. Who are we? We are Dulos. We are servant leaders. How can we help you? We are revolutionaries. We are wise. Mm. We are codes of a character. This is what we want every kid to graduate with. We want them to have a deep love of the Lord, critical thinking, and these codes of character so they can go out and serve their communities. We tell our kids all the time, we learn to serve others. Learning of its own is for nothing. It's to serve others. And so, because we're a revolutionary, we launched our intervention program. Here's my crew. God provided 10 staff that were able to pour in. I have four counselors, And then on the other side are special education majors and intervention specialists. And we provide every single day, I'm going to turn so I can see, we provide social-emotional support, physical, spiritual, and academic. This looks like a different in different kids. You can go to the next one, Sarah. So we've done social-emotional therapy, small groups, one-on-one for a few years. So this we continued and we... And then we also increase physical. 
Three years ago, we launched the Motor Lab, which is a specific program to help kids go through the natural development process that a lot of kids miss in the Dominican Republic. They don't put kids on the floor. They don't let them crawl on their tummies, and it causes these blockages in learning. But the cool thing is we explain to our kids, like, God created this process. You skipped a step, and that's okay. We're restoring it back to how God created it because our God is restorative, and we're continually teaching our kids hey, your brain is formed a little different. Your body may be a little different, but it's so beautiful, and we can learn to work with what God has given you to impact the kingdom. So our kids get to go to Motor Lab, and they get – Sarah, can you go back? Sorry. And then the other thing that this is just mind-blowing in the Dominican Republic, we have bicycles, we have flexible seating, we have bands, we have fidgets, we got compression vests, we have all the physical things out the wazoo. And this helps our kids learn in the general classroom. At this point, we have to keep all our kids in the general classroom. We don't have pullout. And so we're making it work for our 20% of learners to be educated and successful in the classroom. All right, next one, Sarah. The thing that we launched this year was cognitive therapy. For our parents to pay for their kids to get cognitive therapy once a week, it's about $100 a week. We are currently giving 54 kids cognitive therapy for a half an hour to an hour, five days a week. For free. The kids come at 7.30, they come a half an hour before school, or they have to stay an hour after school. The growth has been incredible. Behaviors are better. Kids are learning to read. Kids that have not shown growth in years on their tests grew 20, 30, 40 points within the first six weeks. Like parents sitting with us, crying, just saying we didn't know what to do, and now something's finally working. It has been the most restorative process to tell parents this isn't your fault. I had a mom sobbing with me two weeks ago saying, I feel like I did something wrong because our son can't learn visually or auditorily. I was like, no, that's how he was born. But we can work with it. God has big things for your son. You can go to the next one. And so at Dulos, things are going really, really well. The Lord has opened the door for us to be able to work in both the other Christian schools and help them start launching some of these programs. And the Ministry of Ed met with me last week, and they asked if we would come and do a training for 85 of their educators in January on everything we're doing because they want to model it after what we're doing. My ask for Dulos is prayer. We met with the Ministry of Ed, and I begged them to start putting teachers in our school so that we can move from solely everyone in the general classroom to the next level of disabilities, which would be part-time classroom, part-time in a special ed room. And they said, until you're willing to go semi-private, we can't help you. But if you want, we'll help you create, like, their own division. So it would be, like, Dulo Special Ed School, which then means they could help staff teachers so then we have long-term stability. So I'm just praying for favor that if this is what the Lord wants us to do, that we can get it launched over the next semester. So that's how Dulos needs prayer. And then my other ministry is the Konani Girls Home where Cole and I go every week, and we have a mom's group, and it's kind of like mops for teens. And so you can see um, this was our Christmas party. You can see this summer, and like 15 girls got baptized. And this is the whole home. It's not just me. There's a bunch of women that pour into it. And there's Cole with Liam, one of our little babies. And so I just pray for these girls. Just pray for their salvation. Their lives have been nuts. Their lives will probably always be nuts. But if they have a faith in Jesus, that can just ground them, and that's really all that matters. They can have a really hard 90 years here, but yet they have salvation and they'll have eternity with the Lord. So I just pray, if you guys can pray every single day for my girls. 
that they can come to know Jesus. And the exciting thing is we have 33 right now, and about 50 of them said they wanted to start a Bible study with us. And so Anna, my best friend down there, we're going to start on Fridays having just that group to do a Bible study, and then once a month we do mops with the whole group. So please, please pray for my girls. Yeah, so I'll just mention this. Uh, a lot of you are newer, and we, we support these guys financially. We pray for them. If you want to be on their regular prayer, I sent out the monthly one, but if you want to get more in-depth prayer stuff, just see Megan or Dave. And if you want to invest in their ministry, see either one of them uh, after the service. They'll be in the back there by the table where the goodies are given out. Okay, so I want to encourage you on that. Uh, is, this, is this one on? Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, I asked for the remote mic because those of you who have seen me before, I like to walk around when I talk, and I don't like to be standing right in front of the podium. Um, but, yeah, hey, Sarah, you put the first one. No, the other one. The other. There is the first one. So every year we we're able to take our boys. For those of you who – sorry, let me start over. Uh, my name is Dave. For those of you who don't know me, I work uh, with Students International. It's a ministry or a missions organization down in Harabako in the Dominican Republic. And I work um, at uh, one of our sports sites. We have men's sports and women's sports. And so down in the Dominican Republic, men's sports means baseball. So these are some of our older boys here. Every year we take all of our boys. We have around between 50 and 60 boys, anywhere from 6 years old all the way up to 15. This year, because of rain, we weren't able to take the boys uh, to a professional game like we usually do. It got canceled. Uh, we usually go on Sundays because then, you know, I don't want eight-year-olds getting back home at 1 o'clock in the morning and things like that. So um, this year we had to cancel it, but we were able to take our older guys. So these guys are all anywhere from 12 to 15. And so and uh, the local team, which is in Santiago, they weren't at home. They were here, which is in – it's called San Francisco. Uh, and it's a little bit further away, maybe an extra half hour away. And so we went to their stadium to watch our local team play, so it's fun. Um, they're actually the San Francisco Giants, just like here in California, the Gigantes de, the Gigantes de San Francisco. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's always a highlight for our boys, and so they had a lot of fun, and we were able to take them. Um, one of the things we've been doing with our boys a little bit longer than a year now, but we do um, memory verses every month. So our boys are up to about 20 verses that they memorize, that they have memorized now. And uh, the other thing that we've done for a little over a year now is provide transportation to church on Sundays. So some of the boys wanted to go, but their parents might work or their parents just don't want to go. And so it just might not be a priority. So we go by the field with the vans and, and take them. And, and what's cool, too, is that um, we don't have games every Saturday, but if we have a game on Saturday and then we're taking the church on Sunday, we're with these boys seven days a week because we're with them at practice from Monday to Friday. And then if we have games on Saturday, we're obviously with them. And then again, church on Sunday. So sometimes we're just constantly there. And I know a lot of times they say like, what does it take to be a good parent? What does it take to be a good, you know, things like that. It's like 90% of it is just showing up. And so that's kind of our goal with these boys is, yeah, we do devotions and we do things, but we just hang out with them. And so we're just trying to be more and more involved. And um, this year, one of the big highlights was they had a, at the church that we take them to, they had a retreat. And four of our boys stood up to accept the Lord at this retreat. And so that was really awesome. And then you can go to the next slide or the next picture. And so it was funny. One day, so this kid, his name is Endry. Um, Endry lives, like, you can kind of see this little house right there. 
And so he lives just like right in back of that house. So he lives literally within 100 feet of the field, just like Kendry grew up, you know, Kendry grew up about three houses down. So he's known Andrew his whole life. And um, but it was really cool this year. I don't even know if I told Kendry this, but um, we were at the base practicing one day. It was raining. So we were in the batting cage that you guys have heard about that batting cage a bunch, I'm sure. So we were at the batting cage and he came up to me and said, Dave, are we doing devotions today? And I said, yeah, you're up. You got something prepared? Like just joking with him like he was going to lead devotions. And he looked at me and said, uh, not today, but in like two weeks could I do one? And I was, man, it just took me by surprise. I was like, well, yeah, let's, you know, let's sit down. Let's plan something out and like, you know, run it by a little bit. And, and he came up and this was him sharing devotions with the boys after practice. And so we got, I mean, how much more powerful is it to have one of them be, be preaching amongst them instead of just one of us old guys that, you know, they, they hear every day. And so it was just really cool. And he stood up there and, and talked about some of his favorite verses and the difference the Lord has made in his, lives, in his life and the changes that he has seen and just the transformations and that he's just this, this evidence of the goodness of God. And he was just able to stand in front of his peers and just proclaim this was just such an awesome, an awesome moment and a huge blessing. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Not, not huge major changes in, in what we're doing at SI as compared to, you know, Megan's role at Dulos, but um, just some awesome, awesome things. We have six to eight boys that are now going to youth group on a, on a regular basis, and so they either get themselves there or their parents drive them and things like that. So they're going every Friday night. That's what they do. So it's always good to have teenagers in church on a Friday night as opposed to whatever else you might be doing on a Friday night that's not church. Um, and so, yeah. So that's about what we're, that's, I think that's about it for the updates that we have. One thing Megan didn't mention about Dulos and her special ed thing is a lot of times here, I remember growing up, uh, I graduated from Plumstead Christian School, and we had kids throughout our time that it was just like, oh, well, Plumstead can't meet their needs, and so they're just going to have to go to Central Bucks East or Central Bucks West or wherever they might live, Penn Ridge. And it wasn't, yeah, they're not going to get a Christian education, but at least the special education program was there. The problem is in the Dominican Republic, and the reason uh, what Megan's doing is so critical is that if they're at Dulos and Dulos is like, hey, we can't meet your needs, so you need to go, there's literally nowhere to send them. Public schools don't have special ed. I mean, they claim they do, but let's be honest, they don't. And so what they do is just next to nothing. And so this is literally like, it's like, well, we can't send them out because there's nowhere to send them out. And so Megan is working super hard and developing this program and this team of people that, because otherwise these kids would have nowhere to go, that if they couldn't be at Dulos, there's not an alternative. And so it's just such a critical and awesome thing that they're, that they're doing there. Um, sorry, I'm trying to unfold my notes here. Well, yeah, that's about it for us. Uh, like Chuck said, let us know if you want to be on our, we have monthly updates, monthly-ish updates that we send out, um, and just prayer teams, and we send in prayer requests off and on and, and things like that. And we just want to say thank you to you guys, too. We know this church just has always been behind us. It's been nine and a half years now, which is crazy. It does not seem that long. But some of you remember when we went down on a three-year commitment, and, you know, that was a long time ago. So, We've done that a few times over as, uh, you know, the grandparents aren't always super excited that we keep staying, but they like, <laughs> no, 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 they're, believe me, they're very supportive, but they would love to have their grandkids more closer is all I'm saying, which can't blame them for that. Um, 
But yeah, but this morning, um, I want to talk about a little bit, get into the, the sermon and the notes that I have for today. Uh, just something God put on my heart, something I've shared with some of our teams. Um, Chuck said with all the stuff we did and the updates, I got to limit myself to 15 to 20 minutes. I laughed with him. I said, yeah, well, I'm supposed to keep it to 20 to 30 minutes with our groups, and I usually go to like 45, so I'll try to cut it even shorter than that. Um, but today, I just want to talk about the limits of God. And I know some of you might be like, the limits of God. And so, but these are the limits that we put on God, or the limits that are we, are we living like God has limits? And so we want to talk about that, um, and then we'll tie it into the Christmas story. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, I just, Megan and I just thank you for this church, the, the, the encouragement and blessing that they have just been to us through our time down in the Dominican Republic. Lord, just the amazing things that we have seen, the fruit come um, from this church through us, and uh, we just thank you so much, Lord. We just pray that the, the message this morning, Lord, is just your words coming through, and it's not of, of any of us, and, and that just exactly what you want to be said will be said this morning. In your name, amen. So, like I said, the, the title for today is, What is God's Limit? And are we serving a God with limits? Now, you're all sitting here in church, and if I said, does God have limits, you would all say... No, good. I didn't hear anybody say yes, so that's good. But the question is, do we live our lives like that? And I think that's a big thing that, that we need to look at is do we, we want to see him work in our lives, but do we put all of our trust fully in him? And so we look, we can look into Mark chapter four In Mark chapter four is when Jesus calms the storm. So we see that We've heard this story many times. Those of you who have grown up in church or been, you know, been Christians for a long time, we've, we've heard this story before, right? Jesus is asleep in the, in the boat, and there's this giant storm coming, and the disciples are all afraid, and they're panicking, and they're going to die. And sometimes I feel like, too, we don't, we don't understand always the severity of this. We read over this story. It's like, yes, and then Jesus stands up, and he calms the storm, and then whatever. A lot of times we read over this. But let, let's think about this for a second. So they're, they're all panicked, and rightfully so. They're in a fishing boat. So they're not in a cruise ship. They're not in, like, Tom Brady's yacht. They're not in any of these things where it's like, oh, a storm, you know, they just keep on going. They're in a, they're in a fishing boat, which I, I can't tell you how big an actual fishing boat is, but I'm sure it's not giant and luxurious, right? Fishermen were not known for making tons and tons of money. So they're in a fisher, they're, they're in this fishing boat, and this giant storm is hit. So you can picture it. Th- this boat is going up and just crashing down and backing up and crashing down. And it's filling with water. And they're afraid they're going to drown. Meanwhile, this, is, this should have been their first clue that Jesus, there was something different about Jesus. This is all happening. What's Jesus doing? Dude's just snoozing. He's got his head. You know, he's got something wrapped up. He's just chilling. Right there, they should, you know, I'm just picturing them bailing out water like, we got to get one to... Like... Just cast out, you know, I don't know if Jesus snored, but, you know, he, he might he might have been snoring. I have no idea. But that should have been their thing. Now, up until this point, if we look in the first three chapters of Mark. And at least Peter, Andrew, James and John have been with him the entire time from the very beginning. So they have seen Jesus heal leprosy, cure various diseases. He healed a paralytic. He has healed on the Sabbath, which has made him go toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, which is something you did not do. Um, you did not question religious leaders at that time, right, Chuck? Nobody ever questions you here. Like, what you say goes, correct? Yeah, right. And so, you know, just like you guys are with Chuck, 
But but in that time, that was it. It was like if the Pharisees said something, that was it. That was the law. And Jesus was like, no, I don't think that's right. And so here's how we're, you know, doing things. And so this was just unheard of. So they have seen all these things. And so, but they're still panicking. They're still panicking. And they wake Jesus up and they're like, do you not even care that we're going to drown? And I just picture Jesus being like, oh, again, are we for real? And then so he gets up and he's like, yo, chill. I'm paraphrasing. And, and the storm just goes silent. And they're all like, who is this guy? But we do the same thing. We've seen Jesus come through for us in time and time again. We see him work in the lives of other people. Like the, like the disciples here, they, they've seen him cure disease. They've seen him cure, uh, heal a paralytic. They've seen all these things. And yet they're like, yeah, but this is weather. This is different. And it's like we get this so often in our own lives that we say, oh, yeah, well, I've seen Jesus work over here. And I've seen Jesus work at this. And I've seen him heal this person. And I've seen him come through over here. But this is whatever it might be. And so do we actually live like God has no limits? Do we start praying for things going, yeah, but I don't think God can do it because of this, 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 and this. It's like, yeah, but God doesn't live restricted by this, 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 and this, like you might or I might or whoever. I think the other thing that we, oh, uh, it was interesting. I, I was having a conversation with, at my brother's wedding, I have a cousin named Matt who's, in, who's an atheist, and he believes in evolution and all this stuff. And it was really interesting, a foreign concept from today. He's an atheist, I'm a Christian, we have difference of opinions, we're talking together, and we left the conversation still loving each other and on good terms. Imagine that. So we're talking, and he's asking me about the story of Noah. And he's like, yeah, but Dave, what about all the food? Like, there wouldn't have been room for all the food. Like, and I just kind of smiled at him, and I was like, that, that's where we're going to get caught up? And it's like, you talk to people about it, it's like, all right, let's start from the beginning. Noah, who's 600 years old, <laughs> receives a message from God, says, build a boat. Why? It's going to rain. What's rain? It's never rained before. So gives him the dimensions for it. He's like, great, I need to go up and build this near the water. Nope, right here in the desert. I need to build a giant boat in the desert. Right. Because it's going to rain. You're going to have water fall from the sky. Correct. And what did Noah do? All right, well, you're the boss. Right? Starts building, takes him, I forget how long, 120 years, 100 years, something, whatever. 600-year-old man building a giant boat in the middle of the desert for 100 years. Right, we're laughing, because this, but this is real, this is what happened. Builds it for 100 years, we're, we're good on this so far, alright, let's keep going. It's built, animals come two by two, God brings them to him. Gets them all in their spaces. We're good with that, all right? Yep, okay, let's keep going. We're good with that. Jesus, God shuts the door, and it starts flooding. We're all good with this? Yeah. Where's the food go? That's where we get caught up. Just like, what? I said, I don't know. Maybe they didn't eat. Oh, come on. What about, and, and then when they eat, like, where does all the waste go? I don't, I don't know. Maybe they didn't poop. Like, we're, we're saying all this is possible, but then we get cut up on poop. And we laugh, but we do the exact same thing. 
We see Jesus come through. We see the Lord come through. We, we trust him up to a point and then we go poop. I got nothing. And that's where we get caught up. And I just kind of like, I was talking to my cousin. I was just like, look, it's either a miracle, which you can't really explain miracles. If any of you have ever, ever been part of some supernatural miracle like that, that comes directly from the Lord, you can't explain it. It just is what it is. And so, yeah, I'm not going to believe that all this can happen and, and God can bring the animals in and then, but you're going to say, yeah, but they have to eat. God couldn't possibly fill their stomachs for that. However long they were in the ark, like that's just unfeasible after all, after a 600 year old man builds a boat big enough for them and that doesn't kill him alone. And it rains for the first time ever. And he wipes out everything from the earth and we're going to get to, yeah, but they would have had to have eaten. Well, maybe, but we either got to believe in a limitless God that has the potential to do anything we need or we don't. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're believing in a God with limits, you are wasting your time. Stop coming to church. Stop wasting your time. Stop going to Bible study. If you really believe God has limits, walk away. Walk away. What's the point? What's the point of believing in a God with limits? It makes no sense. A God with limits, that's called people. That's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I think another reason we, we struggle in these areas is that we doubt ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible's very clear about who we are, right? So Jesus himself calls us sheep. Believe it or not, that's not a compliment. You ever been around sheep? Any of you grew up on farms? Sheep are not the smartest animals in the world, right? One sheep will follow the next one right off a cliff. Like not one of them goes, eh, not doing that. No, nope, they'll just keep on going, right? The Bible also goes all the way through and it says, you're a fool if this and you're a fool if that and you're a fool. Anybody ever read that and think, yeah, none of those apply to me? No, you're not reading the same Bible as me if you think you're not a fool. And so the other thing, too, is that if you look back in the in the Greek form of the word fool that they use is moros, which is where we get the word moron from. So not only is the Bible calling you sheep, it's also calling you fools and morons. So it's not exactly. And then so that's why we come to these verses that say, do not lean on your own understanding. Do you know why we shouldn't lean on our own understanding? Because we're fools and morons and sheep. Bible's very clear on this, right? So don't get me wrong. We should not depend on ourselves. But so often we feel God's calling to something, but we have so many doubts within ourselves that we go, I couldn't possibly do that because of this, 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 and this. But yet again, we look through, we look through all of, all of the Bible and we look at the people that God used. And then sometimes we just wonder, like, how could he have used those people? We look at the story of David and, and this was the man after God's own heart. And man, did he screw up time and time again. And then we look at, you know, and even people like Moses that was like, hey, you're going to go stand in front of Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. And Moses is like, yeah, but I stutter. I don't talk that well. You better get somebody, somebody else to go do that. Right? And God's going, yeah, but I don't see that. I see what you can be. I don't see what you are, what you have done, your shortcomings, your errors, your sin, your this, that. And I was thinking about it. And I said, it's a lot like what we do as, as baseball coaches and especially as baseball scouts. 
that I remember watching this, the, the guy Samuel that I work with, he took a class on, on being a scout and being able to evaluate talent. And he showed me this video that they had. And it was this kid, it's this 14 year old kid. And he had this swing and it was a little bit crazy. And he kind of, his hip would fly open and he didn't have the best balance and whatever else. And they were like, what do you think of this? And I was like, I don't know. He looks all right. Like it's decent, but you know, and a lot of times as coaches, you're trained to find the errors in swing so you can fix it. But as scouts, you look at, you try to look at what the positives and what they can become. So it's a very different mentality. So I'm looking at more of a, of a coaching standpoint and trying to fix things. And it's like, well, his hands aren't in the right position and his hips flying open and his, his balance isn't great. And he was like, yeah, but look at the, look at the way his hands move. And it was like, man, this kid had one of the fastest, like from here to here, like getting your hands into the, into the hitting zone. It was super quick. And he was like, you know who that is? And I said, I've never seen this guy before in my life. And they go, sure you have. No, no, it wasn't Babe Ruth. No, it was somebody more recent. It was a Dominican, this was a Dominican player. He said, it was Fernando Tatis Jr. Well, I don't know if some of you don't have no idea of baseball, but he's in the middle of a $300 million contract right now for the San Diego Padres. Just won the gold glove in his first year playing right field. Just a crazy good player. I mean, the $300 million contract should have been enough to say, yes, he is a crazy good player. But if somebody would have looked at that and said, yeah, but you got this wrong and that wrong and this wrong. Like I, and I'm not even a professional coach and I looked at it and I could tell you seven things he was doing wrong. But a scout was looking at him going, yeah, but he's got something nobody else has. He's got that quickness of his hands. And I remember we had a kid who actually signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He, or he's about to sign. He's, he's 16 years old, throws 92 miles an hour. He's a little bit taller than me. It's crazy. When he first came to the field, Kendry's laughing because he knows who this is. This kid's name is Fraby. And when Fraby first came to the field, this kid could not catch a ball. But the guy, Sewer, though, who was working with me before, was a really good pitching coach. He goes, Dave, he's got something in his arm that I'm telling, I'm telling you he's going to be special. And I was like, Sewer, though, we got to roll the ball back to him. Like, literally in his first day with us, the catcher would throw him back the ball just like this. Three times they hit him in the chest. I, I'm not making this up. Three times it hit him in the chest. He is now a professional baseball player. Because Sewer, though, and these other scouts looked at these players and they said, yeah, but he's got this. And that's what God does to us. And so we need to stop going to him with our excuses and our reasons and our doubts and all this stuff. Because when God calls you to something, it's because he sees you've got this that I can use. I mean, we, we look at Saul, who became Paul in the Bible, he was basically Hitler before there was Hitler. Like, we realize that. Like, some people think I'm joking when I say things like that. He was going city to city, killing massive amounts of people just because they were Christians. And so everybody out there was like, even the disciples had their doubts at first. And, and, but Jesus sat there and said, that's my guy. Because he's bilingual, he's a Roman citizen, he's going to be able to reach people that nobody else can reach. I know he's doing all this, but we're going to work on that. We got that. I got this. This is my guy. And so unless anybody here has killed hundreds of people before, anybody killed hundreds of people before? No, so I think you're, there's still hope for you. Because there was hope for him. And if you want to compare sin to sin, I'd say Saul was way far deep into it than any, probably anybody in this room. And God said, yeah, but that's my guy. 
I've got this because I see what he's going to be. To the point that he looked at, you look at Mary. He went down to Mary and said, Mary, I want you to be the mother of Jesus. Because Mary was a 13-year-old girl. She said, she had every excuse. I'm too young. I'm not even married. I got whatever excuse she would want to throw out there. And Jesus said, no, you're God at that point. God said, no, this is my girl. And this is who I'm going to use. And it's going to be awesome. Just watch. Because he can see things that we can't see. And I know Megan and I have looked at our own lives and things that we've, we've been a part. I'm not even going to say things that we have done. Things that we have been a part of. That it's just like, man. You know, when, I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to, I wanted to drop out of Spanish my last year because I figured, when am I ever going to use this in my life? I use it fairly often now. And I get people that tell me, and, and believe me, this is not me bragging about me because I was not good at Spanish then. And that was one of the excuses when God called us to the Dominican Republic. I was like, I don't know how to raise money. I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to live on support. I don't know how to speak Spanish. I don't know how to do any of these things. And now, after however many years, I'm down there and people will comment and be like, man, you speak Spanish kind of like a Dominican. And maybe Kendra will tell you I'm lying. I don't know. But they say, man, for a, for a gringo, you got a really good accent. And I'll never have a fully accent, you know, full Dominican accent or anything like that. But, and I've been able to play on basketball teams and softball teams and get involved in the community. And I don't, you know, I know people that hesitate to go out and in certain situations because they might fumble it up or whatever. I've been able to preach at churches and all this stuff. And I'm not telling you this to be like, man, Dave's, Dave's done so well. It's because I know God looked at me and said, yeah, that might all be true, but I got this going and you're going to see what I'm going to do through you. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting up here with a mic in my hand in the front of the church. There is not one thing special about me. There's not one thing in my life that I do better than other people. I am not, I was not a baseball coach. I was not a, I didn't even play in college. And here I am coaching kids in baseball. I'm not a missionary. My, or I am a missionary, but I wasn't my, you know, my parents aren't missionaries. I didn't grow, grow up. I grew up in the church, but not like, you know, my parents aren't pastors. I didn't grow up in that kind of setting or anything like that. But thank God I grew up with parents who loved the Lord, so they pushed me towards that every day. But this wasn't like a life that I was, like, destined to be in. I remember when I was, like, 14, 13 or 14 years old, the biggest thing holding me back from just really wanting to dedicate my life to the Lord was I was scared he was going to send me overseas to be a missionary. It ain't that bad. But the thing is, I was able to lay all that down and just say, yeah, but Lord, not me, you. And when we really desire what God wants for our lives, that's how we get rid of our doubts. James 4, 8. Um, I probably have a different version that we're going to put up, so I'll read up there. Yeah, because you guys use the NIV. I think I have the NLT. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, is that it? <laughs> Did I have eight and nine? Oh, no, I, you know, I had 70. Let me read the one that I have. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And so I think that's the biggest thing that we come to, is that our loyalty is divided between God and the world. 
Sorry, this is my fault. This is not Sarah's fault. I, I said James 4, 8. I have 7, 8, and I think part of 9. But anyway, but I think this is the biggest thing. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Because we're looking at God that we want to be fully devoted to him, but then we're living in a way that he has limits. And we can't serve a limited God. We either got to be all in or all out. And one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite things about the God that we serve is he says in Hebrews 4.15, says the high priest, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and he did not sin. <laughs> Sorry, again, I had a different version. Um, but we do not, so many other religions have a God that says, do this and do this and do this. And then maybe I'll consider you letting you into paradise. We serve a God that says, hey, you're screwing this up, so I'm going to come down and show you how. And so he came down as a baby to a 13-year-old girl and, said, and, and grew up and faced temptation and faced difficult times and faced injustices. Anytime we ever go, yeah, but it's not fair how they treated me. I don't think you're going to want to stand in front of Jesus with that argument. I really don't. I would, I would really hesitate to be like, yeah, but Jesus, you didn't hear the way they were talking about me. I don't think he's going to have that much sympathy for you. Because as Jesus was laying there being nailed to the cross, as the nails were going into his hands, said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So you're not going to want to stand in front of Jesus and say, yeah, but they were gossiping about me. Oh, poor you. Right? Because before his ministry even started, and I think that's the thing, when we want to be fully dedicated to the Lord, Satan's not going to like that. And we have to expect it to be difficult. And we have to expect to get pushback. And especially in the beginning. Because the, Satan did the same thing with Jesus. In Matthew 4, Jesus went out to be tempted, fasted for 40 days. And he was tempted with food. Megan and I were joking. We we're like, that would have been the end for me. I would have been like 40 days not eating. Even a piece of bread looks good. You know, for us, maybe it would have been more of like a hamburger or something like that. So, but, you know, you put a large pizza and, 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 a, and a Dr. Pepper in front of me, that'd be it. Yeah, I wouldn't even need 40 days. 40 hours, I'm losing. I'm, I'm out. But he stood there and he was tempted with food. And what did he do? He quoted Deuteronomy 4.8. And then he was tempted with capabilities. Throw yourself off of here. Let angels catch you. You know, basically like, I bet you can't. I bet you won't. Kind of that kind of thing. Like, remember when kids like, hey, jump off of there. I bet you won't. That's basically what Satan was doing. Satan was turning into like an eight-year-old boy. Hey, jump off that thing. I bet the angels won't catch you. Bet you can't. And what did he do? He quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. Then he's tempted with power and possessions. Bow to me and I'll give you everything. Jesus had to be thinking, it's already mine. What do you mean give you everything? Power and possessions. Man, does that control us, doesn't it? Power and possessions, quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. What did we see there? When we're tempted, we need to know what our Bible says. And he's showing us, man, when you got this difficult time and you got this difficult time, what do you need in your mind? What should be your first response? What does the word say? Do we know it? Do we know it here? Do we know it here? I think it goes both ways. Because then it says, then, then Satan went away from him, and then his ministry began. 
So Satan was trying to squash this before it even started because he knew God's, he knew Jesus' potential and what, what that was going to do. And so the big questions, I don't, I have no idea how long I've been talking for, but the big question we need to ask ourselves today is who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And what evidence do you have of that? Because we can sit here and say, Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. He's the Lord of all creation. He is this, that, and the other. But do we live like that? Would somebody look at our lives and say, yes, that is who Jesus is for that person? Because Jesus claimed to be the Son of Man about 80 times in the Gospels where Jesus references himself as the Son of Man. He showed his dominance over nature. He showed his dominance over sickness. He showed his dominance over the electrical, uh, uh, the intellectual world. And he showed, at the end, he showed his dominance over sin. Do we fully believe this, and will we live accordingly? Because he loved us so much that he came down and said, watch me live and follow what I do. He calls us sheep. We're fools. We're morons. We're all this stuff. We're sinners. And Jesus walked on this earth for 33 years and said, don't just hear me. Watch me. Watch what I do. And any of us who are parents know that that's more powerful than it is to just say something to your kids. You can't just tell your kids to do something. You've got to show them how to do it. And that's what our Heavenly Father did. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never made that decision. Or maybe you're listening online. You've never made that decision before. And you're saying, Lord, I need to be all in. I have this holding me back. I have this holding me back. I think you can't use me because of this, this, and this. Yeah, if we want to look at ourselves, we're going to come up short every single time. But Jesus is very clear that each one of us has a spiritual gift that he has given us. Are we going to use that? Are we going to use that for him? Are we going to trust that we can use that without limits? And as we come to the end of the year, you know, a lot of people like to make New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. What needs to change? As we go into the new year, how can we, how can we draw closer to the Lord? How can we really buy into his limitless power in our life? To just sit there and say, Lord, you are the Lord of all. And I want to be completely under that, no matter what, good, bad, or indifferent. As the disciples watch him heal these people and are still afraid of a storm. Can we walk through that storm and say, Lord, I trust that you're there. I heard a pastor talk once. He said, you look through the Bible. You look through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You look at the story of Noah, Moses, Daniel, all these things. Not one, not one of those stories did God say, and I took away the hard times. That didn't happen. Daniel had to go in the lion's den. Noah had to build the ark and, and, and go through the flood. Moses had to confront Pharaoh. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go into the furnace. But what happened? The Lord in his limitless power was there with them in the hard times. It does not say he's going to take away our hard times. He promises to be there with us. And his might and power will shine through to the point that it will be, man, it has nothing to do with me because I'm just the instrument that God used. It says a hammer doesn't look at itself and go, look at the house I built. 
No, why? Because the hammer is just a tool. Are we going to let God use us like a hammer can build a house to do great things for him? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to just come together as a, as a body of believers and worship and just learn more about you, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that everybody in this room, everybody listening, Lord, would just just fully buy in. Just fully buy into you, Lord. We just thank you for your gift of you coming down. And your sole purpose, Lord, was just to save us. And we just thank you for that, Lord. We just pray that anybody who may has not put their, their faith in you, Lord, would just take this opportunity to just realize, Lord, that you are the, the Lord of all. And that the best decision that we can make in our lives, Lord, is to just, to just accept you and be fully under you, Lord, to just be fully, fully devoted to you. And we pray for all of us in this room, Lord, that is just an ongoing process, that we would just find ways in this, in this uh, season of Christmas, Lord, that to just find ways that we need to clean up in our lives, that we need to make adjustments just so we can come closer to you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, and we love you. In your name, amen.